Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. This is episode 49. And on today's show, we've got a special guest, James Anderson from Rotowire. He's here to talk about some of the players he likes from the MLB first-year player draft. Maybe you heard of that thing that just happened a few weeks ago. It was actual baseball stuff. How they fit into his top 100, or I'm sorry, top 400. He's got a lot of prospects in his rankings. Some other prospect discussion, impact players potentially for this upcoming season, and then of course, impact players beyond since... Torkelson might have an impact this year, which would be crazy. But other than that, I think everybody we're looking at next year. Although you never know. Asa Lacey pitchers have been known to come up and throw some bullpen, get some bullpen work in uh, the same year they've been drafted. So never, never say never. And since we have no Wade, that's going to be it. Just having James Anderson on. So hope you guys enjoy the interview. And hopefully by the time this comes out, we have some good news about baseball this year. As I'm recording this, we're waiting on the response from the players union who said they're not going to have a vote. Um, that was on Sunday. They said they were going to vote on Sunday. Then they're not going to vote on Sunday. And now today is Monday and I don't know what the hell they're doing anymore. So they said no to the 70 or they proposed the 70 game schedule in response to the owners who proposed a 60 game schedule. And the owners were just like, no, we are running out of time on this thing. Uh, Spoiler alert, running out of time. And if the only thing standing in the way of the baseball season this year is money, not coronavirus, not access to facilities, not attendance, if it's just money, splitting up all their money, that's a that's such a bad look for baseball. And what a and we we've talked about this, but what a waste. So get it done. Anyway, here is James Anderson. Back with us to talk about some hot new prospects getting added to the prospect pool is James Anderson from Rotowire. He's the lead prospect analyst, assistant baseball editor, co-host of Farm Fridays. You can find that on Sirius XM Radio and the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. So lots of good stuff. You can check them out on there. James, thanks for coming back. How'd you enjoy the draft last week? Oh, it was so much fun. Uh, thanks for having me. I really needed that draft just kind of for my own sanity, just to have some uh, player analysis to work on. Uh, had a lot of fun preparing for that. This is the most I've ever been able to prepare for the draft um, in my time doing this, because usually I also have to juggle it with uh, the stuff happening in MLB at the same time. But obviously there was, there was nothing that was dividing my attention this year. And so I got to just really dive in on the draft. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And I think we all needed it. And MLB, I'm I'm sure they noticed that it was one of their most popular drafts ever. I, I don't know how it couldn't be the most popular draft or most watched draft they've ever had. They need to apply that logic to the season and just get the damn season going because people are craving it. People that aren't even regular baseball fans, a 60-game season, like pedal to the metal from day one would be really exciting. And they're... They're dragging their feet, obviously, and they need to see how well the draft went. Just apply that same logic, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe they need to see how well the draft went and find a way to do it um, 
every year at a time when there are <laughs> games competing with it, you know, maybe they move it up. Um, maybe they could do it in like, I, I don't know. I, I think it'd be very interesting to just have the draft um, in the off season, the way that every other league does it. But I know that that it's kind of tricky just with the, the schedule of the college season and all that stuff. But um, I think, I think it was a lot of fun. I uh, hope that we get a MLB season uh, in the works here soon. But yeah, I mean, always happy to talk to you. I didn't plan on asking you this, but since it popped into my head and I've talked about it with my co-host before, what do you think about a shorter draft to keep interest? Because even in the NFL draft where it's seven rounds, people aren't really watching rounds five, six, and seven. So MLB draft, you know, it goes 40 rounds. People don't really care. These aren't guys that are, we're, we're going to ever, most likely we're never going to hear from them again. So why not keep a shorter draft? And then you're actually adding by accident kind of a player empowerment thing. So more guys become undrafted free agents and kind of can choose where they want to go. What do you think about a shorter draft and uh, boost the overall, I don't know, um, desire to watch it and like kind of know everybody who's picked? Um, I don't, you know, I don't, think it actually does result in a player empowerment thing because okay. there's a, there's a cap on what these guys can sign for, right? Like if they, mm-hmm. if it was an open market and any undrafted player could sign for whatever they wanted, then it would be a player empowerment situation. But when they, when they can only sign for 20 grand, um, that takes a lot of that off the table. Um, I, I think, you know, no matter, no matter how long you do the MLB draft, there's, really only going to be interest from the casual fan in the first, I don't know, 50 to 60 picks at best. You know, I think most casual baseball fans might've known Spencer Torkelson's name, might've known Austin Martin's name heading into the draft, but you know, you, you don't have too many casual fans knowing who some guy that goes in the twenties is, let alone the the forties, fifties, sixties. Um, so I don't, I don't think making it like two rounds or making it three rounds is going to get people to do more research on the player pool necessarily. Uh, I think that they, they know that kind of their night to shine is sort of that, that night one where they, they do the first round and the count balance round and maybe the second round. That's when you're going to get the eyeballs. And it's just, you're, you're only going to have diehards like me and you paying attention in rounds three, four, five anyway. So I don't know if having it be three rounds versus five rounds versus 10 rounds. I don't know if that necessarily matters. I think that night one is really kind of the big night, regardless of how long you have the draft. You're right. I'm just thinking out loud here. Try to, I want to replicate the, the fun of the draft this year somehow. And I don't know what we're going to do long-term, but I'm just thinking out loud. So anyway, the draft this year, um, you just updated your top 400 list, right? Yes, I did that uh, last week, incorporated all the draftees that I thought were deserving, and then updated all the team top 20s as well to incorporate some more guys. It's a, it's a pretty deep list for the general public's list viewing. I think typically you're in like the, the 100 range, although I think a lot more people are going deeper now with lists. I'm see, I think it's a lot more common to see a top 250, your top 400, top 500. It's finally getting some steam. So... I just wanted to ask you, um, I imagine a lot of guys that were drafted make your top 400, um, at least in the first few rounds. 
So who are a couple of the names not named, you know, like Spencer Torkelson, who is going to be the highest of, of anyone, but who, who are appearing the highest on that list for you? Yeah, I can go right down it for you. I mean, Torkelson's number one, Austin Martin's number two, Nick Gonzalez, number three. Uh, then there's, to me, there's a bit of a drop off. I'm obviously ranking for fantasy and not mm-hmm. real life. So yeah. uh, the, the safe college hitters, the guys that can be impactful guys, and get to the majors quickly. That's the that's the top uh, commodity for fantasy. Um, but there, there's a drop off, and then you get to Asalasi, Max Meyer, uh, Zach Veen, Ed Howard, Garrett Mitchell, um, and then there's just kind of a flurry of guys after that uh, in that sort of 100 to 200 range. Only only nine guys cracked my top 100. Um, another like 25 or so cracked the top 200. Um, so you'll, you'll see a ton of guys slotting in kind of in that 100 to 300 range. I feel like nine's a lot for an incoming class to hit, to break into your top 100. Um, I usually look at, you know, like the, the big, like baseball America, or I look at, um, MLB pipeline, although I kind of lean more towards baseball America for whatever reason. And, and nine seems like a, a, a lot compared to them, at least, um, in the past, you like Nick Gonzalez is the number three player. Um, coming out of this draft class for fantasy and he went seventh overall to Pittsburgh. Um, I guess uh, the, the thing I saw on Twitter was you comparing him to Zach Veen and people get really, were drooling over Veen going to Denver and there's a lot to, to dream on there, but Gonzalez, the, the college bat, um, the proximity to the majors, uh, influenced this a lot for fantasy. What do you like most about Nick Gonzalez? Maybe excluding just that he's closer. Um, he just check. He checks so many boxes. He has a really good approach, uh, really good control of the strike zone, uh, really good exit velocities. He he just is a as a complete laser show. And what he did in the Cape Cod League last summer, I think, is really at the very top of his resume. To to put the numbers up that he did with wood bat uh, in the Cape really to me solidified just how good he is as as a hitter i think he's a guy that's going to hit for average hit for power get on base like a a kind of a classic number two type of hitter really for me and i I think he's a better athlete than um some people maybe realize he's he's had a lot of success stealing bases Uh, i don't think he's going to be a 20 25 steal guy but i think he can chip in a little bit with his legs as well if you're doing your first year player draft in your fantasy league would it be weird to see um, Aaron Sabato, the first baseman from UNC, who went 27 overall to Minnesota for people listening, get kind of get picked around the same range? Let's say you miss out on Torkelson and Martin. It, would it be weird to see Sabato go in like the Kerstad, um, Nick Gonzalez range? Um, I, I think so. I, I'm lower on Sabato than the Twins, <laughs> obviously. I mean, they, they, they really like him. I I think it's more strength than bat speed with him, and I think the the strikeouts like I, I think best case scenario he's a three true outcome slugger, and I actually I factor in defense and stuff like that with my rankings probably more than people might expect just given that they're for fantasy. Uh, to me, he's a he comes into professional baseball as a DH only. Like I I do not think he can play first base. 
Um, and that just puts so much pressure on him to, to hit his ceiling basically as a hitter. Like you're not going to be a DH in major league baseball, especially on a good team like the twins. If you're just like a two forty five hitter who hits 28 homers like that, that's not cutting it as a designated hitter. Uh, and I think that realistically, you know, the power, I think he, he has legitimate power, but like I said, it's, it's more just kind of brute strength than bat speed. And I, I think he could get overmatched against uh, the best pitchers in the world. I don't think he's going to ever hit uh, like 270 or 280. I think it's more 245, 250 maybe. Um, so the concerns about just how much he needs to hit to be a designated hitter has me a bit lower on Sabato relative to the guys you mentioned. Makes sense. You got if you if you're gonna be a DH only, the bats really gotta carry you. And if you're, you know, poor defensively other places, you you have less at bats, and that matters in fantasy. You got to get your guys on the field, and defense may not count for your points, but defense matters for his playing time, which you know affects points and stuff. So that makes sense. Were you in on Robert Hassel going right before Veen? I mean, obviously the Padres had ulterior motives with all their underslot stuff, but do you like his fit in San Diego? What do you see him? doing long-term maybe I'm, I'm not asking for a comp, but if you had a comp, I wouldn't be upset. Um, I didn't, I didn't love hassle, but I think it made sense. I think it's a good, it's a good fit with him in San Diego, uh, especially like you alluded to. Um, we have to, when, whenever a team takes anyone, we have to kind of look at the whole picture, why they took a guy. And so I think given what they accomplished on day two, uh, especially with landing Cole Wilcox in the third round, I think Hassel makes a lot of sense uh, as a guy that they can get for slot value, maybe even a little under. That'll allow them to sign Cole Wilcox. If they had taken someone like Zach Veen there, there's no chance they could take a guy like Wilcox on day two. Uh, my, the reason I'm maybe a little lower on Hassel than some is that there's so much pressure on his hit tool being about as good as advertised. Like, um, I've mentioned Mickey Moniak with him before, and I'm not saying he's going to bust like Mickey Moniak, but Mickey Moniak was supposed to have a 70 grade hit tool. And that was going to sort of carry the profile. Uh, as soon as it became clear that he did not have really close to a 70 grade hit tool, then the fact that he did not have above average power and I mean, he ended up being a worse defender and a, and a slower uh, runner than was expected so there's o- other complications there but like Hassel I just don't I don't see him being a good enough defensive center fielder or hitting for enough power to be uh, a high-end regular if he's not hitting like 300 um, like he, he kind of needs to hit around 300 I think for the whole profile to work uh, the, the swing it's a pretty swing but it's a very level swing I don't see him being a, a 25 homer guy without kind of revamping that swing. So I, I'm sort of hoping, like, I think it would be great if he could be a 300 hitter who hits 15 to 20 homers, uh, maybe leads off or hits second, uh, maybe steals 10 to 15 bases. Like that's, that's sort of what you're hoping for, I think with Hassel. But if, if the hit tool isn't as advertised, then all of a sudden he's a lot less interesting. Um, so I, I didn't really see the type of ceiling there that I would like to see with the first high school player off the board, but 
I mean, he, he's definitely talented. The, the Padres had been on him for a while. They obviously like him more than I do. Um, so I think it, it could work out. I could be wrong about the, the power. Um, maybe, maybe there's more there than I'm giving him credit for. So I guess I'll, I already know the answer to this question, maybe, but would you rather have, if you're the Padres, Robert Hassel and Cole Wilcox or Zach Veen and, you know, substitute replacement level pick at number 80? I guess that matter that you could pick your own guy at 80. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd, I guess I'd go Veen, um, in part because I think there were guys available, um, like they might have been able to get Zach Veen and a guy like David Calabrese who signed for under a million in the third. Uh, there's there's pairings that I think could have worked there. Cole Wilcox is a very exciting arm. Obviously a, a high end arm that you know, there were first round grades on him for a reason. Really really power arsenal. Uh, I have my hesitations about comfortably projecting him as a starting pitcher just given the control issues he showed as a, as uh in 2019 Th- those were much improved obviously in a in a small sample this spring but if the control gains aren't real then maybe he ends up in in the bullpen and i think bean has a better chance to be like a, a five win player Whereas I think Hassel maybe projects as more of a three to four win player if he if he hits his ceiling, um, and so I'm I'm always going to be chasing upside. I think more so than than some of the teams in this year's draft, where I think safety was kind of the name of the game uh, for a lot of teams' drafts. I would I would take a bigger swing personally. I might have even taken Ed Howard at eight and gotten him to sign for around what Hassel's going to sign for. Um, so I, I would have done things differently, but I mean, they know what they're doing. Uh, they, they know how to evaluate players in San Diego. So I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to work out, but it's not necessarily what I would have, would have done. Yeah, we hope we hope there's a plan. Well, we, all we have to do is all, all we do is say uh, trust in Preller. It's just that's all you can do with him. He's doing his own thing and um, it may not make a lot of sense at the time, but hopefully it pans out anyway. This isn't draft related, but I happen to notice on your board that you have Julio Rodriguez from Seattle, number three overall, which got me excited because I have shares of him and it's kind of the highest I think I've ever seen him. So um, what puts him above Joe Adele for you, who I think almost unanimously is ranked higher um, in other lists? It was really what I saw in the Arizona Fall League from both guys. I thought Rodriguez, um, I thought his, like his batting practice was, was more impressive. He, he already uses the whole field with ease. Like he can hit balls out, uh, to right field. And he's what, like two years younger than Adele. I think they're both about as close to being big league ready as each other. Um, like I think that they're kind of on the same track in terms of when they'll be ready to handle big league pitching. Uh, Adele probably adds more value defensively. So I I think you could make a case for having Adele over Rodriguez on a real life set of rankings, but uh, you know, Adele, he's a great base stealer. He's obviously really fast, but he doesn't look to run that much given his speed. Like typically you would, you'd expect him to, Maybe 
attempt twice as many steals as he has so far in the minors, just given his speed. So I don't, I don't feel comfortable just suspecting that Adele will steal 25, 30 bases in the majors. So he really needs to hit. He needs to hit for power. I think he can, but I'm just more confident in Rodriguez's bat. Projecting farm systems a little bit, who do you think has you know, maybe who, who do you think are going to be the top two or three systems in baseball two years from now? And as the Yankees have found out, things can change very quickly. There's flameouts, there's promotions, but who are the younger crop of guys that you see being big impact prospects down the road? And are they kind of grouped together? Who are who are the going to be the top teams in a few years? So the the two that really stand out to me are the Cleveland Indians and the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the Indians the Indians had the deepest system in baseball. It wasn't the best system in baseball, but I think prior to the draft, they had the deepest system in baseball, especially in the lower levels. They're just loaded uh, at their rookie-level affiliates. Um, and they had the best draft, in my opinion. So they add four top 400 prospects to their system and then a couple other legitimate uh, prospects um, later on. And so I just think, the Indians, their the strength of their system is in the lower levels. So, fast forward two years, I could see them being the number one system. And kind of the same thing with the Giants; they have just absolutely crushed it on the international market over the last few years. And they had a ton of talent on their Dominican Summer League team, their Arizona League team last year. Um, so that both those teams just have so much high end talent in the lower levels. And I think the their front offices do a great job. So those would be my two. So you're all in on Marco Luciano is like the next big guy. Um, you know, I might not be as high on him as some. Um, I think he's he's got a chance to be an absolute stud for sure. Uh, to me, it, it's probably more just about the guys after him. Um, like I, I think Luis Matos uh, Matos could be a top uh, 20 prospect someday. And he had a really impressive debut. Uh, Hunter Bishop is a guy with a ton of upside. Uh, Helio Ramos, Alexander Canario, they're both borderline top 100 guys for me. I thought them basically buying Will Wilson from the Angels was an awesome move. And then they just got a lot of guys you can dream on in the lower levels. Uh, They signed guys like Javier Alexander Francisco, Anthony Rodriguez, Averson Ortega last year. I think those guys have a ton of upside. Um, so it's just, it's kind of just a more, more about the system than just Luciano, but Luciano is a heck of a number one prospect. Since we're out West and we've been talking Padres and now we, we're talking a little giants. Are the Dodgers ever going to go away with their system? They just seem to replenish every single year. They promote, you know, all stars every other year. It seems like Gavin Lux is going to be the next big one where where's the floor or I guess where's the ceiling on the Dodger prospects? I do not have good news for you on that front. <laughs> um, they, they had a, they had a really great draft as well. Probably a top five draft. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just really good at what they do and they are not only are they active in signing top international guys Luis Rodriguez will, will probably be a top 20 prospect at some point. Um, but they they can develop guys like Zach McKinstry, uh, just guys that kind of come out of nowhere because of their player development system. They're able to just turn these guys that 
They didn't invest much in at all into legitimate prospects. They know how to develop pitching. Um, they're they're pretty good in the draft every year. So they just don't really have any weaknesses. They know how to trade, obviously. Like the, the trade they made with the Reds to get Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray is looking like an absolute heist. Um, yep. So, I mean, they unfortunately, they are just very smart and very good at what they do. I hate to hear that, but <laughs> um, do you have any favorite guys from the draft, like in the in the late first, um, in the competitive balance rounds or early second round guys that you see, you know, as steals that are going to they're going to blossom into high impact prospects really soon before before we realize it? Yeah, a uh, couple guys that stand out late first round: Nick Bitsko to the Rays. He's got as high a ceiling as any pitcher in this draft. Very risky as a, as a high school righty, but uh, ridiculous stuff. Ridiculously high ceiling. Austin Wells, who the Yankees took at number 28. I think he's the fourth best college hitter in the entire draft. Like I like his bat more than I like Kierstead's bat. Oh. I think he is going to really love hitting in Yankee Stadium. Uh, going to take advantage of that short porch. Uh, out in right field as, as a lefty hitter. I think he could move quicker if he gets moved to left field. I don't really see him as, as a catcher. Uh, so I love Austin Wells. And then in the comp round, I uh, love Slade Ciccone, who the Diamondbacks got at pick 33. He's kind of a, you know, he was a college guy from Miami, but I almost think of him as sort of a, a prep, like a, a high upside projectable prep arm almost um six four really athletic 219 kind of a perfect frame for me for a righty has uh, really loose delivery easy gas i think he's got a chance to be a number two starter and then i think the the indians like i alluded to taking tanner burns with pick 36 he's just a classic indians pitching prospect excellent command uh, the fastball plays better than its velocity uh, deep repertoire. Uh, so I thought those were some really good picks in the comp round. I was going to ask you about Nick Bitsko. So stole my thunder there, but yeah, I like Nick, Nick Bitsko too. I like the guys that are, that classify a little earlier. Um, I think Tristan Cassis did that a couple years ago and I liked Tristan Cassis a lot. He's paid off for me. So that's kind of my new thing is to take those, those 17 year olds who reclassify. Um, I'm assuming a lot of guys who are coming out this year as rookies will retain eligibility next year. I could be wrong, but I'm assuming they just don't get the at-bats. Or maybe they change the rules. I don't know. This whole season, I have no idea what's going to happen. But who do you think is going to be your number one prospect heading into 2022? Assuming like a lot of these other guys who usually are promoted are not a, not going to be off your list by then. Or yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question because, yeah, you would think Fran Franco graduates, Julio Rodriguez graduates, Torkelson probably graduates. Um, Royce Lewis, probably. Yeah, yeah, these guys are all gone. So I think it's Jason Dominguez, CJ Abrams, Marco Luciano, and Christian Robinson would be the four for me. Uh, Noel V. Marte, I guess, um, is kind of a dark horse, but I, I would bet on it being one of Jason Dominguez, CJ Abrams, or Marco Luciano. Gun to your head, who is it? Jason Dominguez. Okay. If, well, anything, I mean, for, for me, Abrams, 
is like the perfect two hitter. I hope the guy that's going to be um, a menace on the base paths. And for fantasy, you know, the guy that steal, can steal a ton of bases isn't going to drain your power. Kind of like a I don't know, Xavier Edwards, who's going to give you no power or um, Vidal Brujan, who's not a, a, as much power, but Abrams can, can kind of do it all. Uh, what do you like more about Dominguez? Um, I think the power, I mean, Dominguez could be a 40 homer guy. And I think Abrams is probably more of like a 20 to 25 homer guy. If he maxes out, mm-hmm. um, just, I, you know, I think there's going to be like, I'd give Dominguez the edge in power OBP. Uh, I just think there's more impact in his bat. Uh, and he's got a chance to provide a similar amount of defensive value and value on the bases. I mean, he's not going to steal as many bases as, as Abrams, but I think he could be like a 25 steal type of guy. Um, you know, kind of, you know, as, as a prospect, he reminds me a little bit of like what we sort of hoped Yon Mankata might be. Um, and Yon Mankata has turned into a, a great big leaguer. Um, probably hasn't, hasn't run as much and hasn't maintained the same level of athleticism as, as maybe we expected. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Abrams is a great prospect. He's got a chance to be the number one guy in a, in, in a couple of years as well. Um, and I, I would expect him to at least get into the top five. Uh, but I just think there might be a bit more impact potential with Dominguez's bat. We'll get you out of here on this. Let's say the owners initiate this 50 game season, although I'm more optimistic that they settle somewhere in between 60 and 70. If you, you follow the news today that the players say 70 and the owners say 60 and I, I imagine they land in the middle somewhere, but let's say it's right in that range and you're in Vegas wearing a mask at your local sports book, or you're using our sponsor, betonline.ag uh, from home. Who is the team or teams you'd want to have some skin on? So they could be the favorites uh, just, you know, the cop, t- you expect the top couple teams to, to run away with this thing, or maybe you're value hunting. I don't know how much you gamble or if you gamble at all, but who would you like to, uh, have some cash on for this upcoming season? So the two, the two favorites that I really love are the Rays and the Dodgers. I would, I think both those teams were set up to win a hundred plus games in a normal year. And I think that they both have the deepest 40 man rosters in their respective leagues. And so that sets them up for a sprint as well, because they're just going to have so many options. If guys get hurt, um, they're going to be able to just platoon everything basically if they want. Uh, so I think the Rays and the Dodgers are set up um, to be the best teams in, in each league. And then if I gave you one value pick, it would be the Oakland A's. I think that they are also very well set up uh, with their starting rotation depth and just the high-end position players they have that, that provide value on both sides of the ball. Um, so those would be my three. Yeah, I love the A's this year. The the young staff, um, Lazardo and Puck could get hot, and then their rotation is is nasty. Um, I really I would love them in the post if they could get into the postseason. I would love them. And then the Padres. I, I, if I were, hey, throw ten bucks on the Padres this year. they're they're, going to be good Uh, James thank you so much for coming on again Um, appreciate the time and all your insights as always follow him at real J.R. Anderson James a pleasure and hope we have some real baseball to talk about soon thanks so much for having me Uh, this was was a blast and yeah I, I echo everything you said there 
That was James Anderson. Go check out all of his stuff at rotowire.com. Follow him, read him, listen to his pod, listen to him on XM Radio. He's a smart guy, still waiting on baseball. So if you like constant updates with no real info to follow, follow John Heyman on Twitter. Shout out, <laughs> coming at John Heyman a little bit, who seems to tweet something every hour. That's uh, no longer an update about anything negotiation-wise, but um, useless minutia. So not mean, not trying to come at you, John, but co- also still, yeah, trying to come at you a little bit. So figure it out. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Please follow our Twitter account at Fire Farmhands. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, like the one you're listening to. Rate, review us, all that good stuff. You can find us at Believe.com and on Twitter also at Believe Podcasts. Leave your comments, questions, concerns, and a rating of the show on all the platforms. We read them. So rate us. We'll improve. Ask us a question. Anything you want. We've been listening, or uh, you've been listening. We've been, I've been doing the show. You've been listening to the show. And that show is Believe in Padres Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan Hart. We will be back next week. Talk to you all then. Your destination, though you may find from time to time. You told Carl Ravitch here on ESPN last week that you felt 100% certain that there will be a season this year. How do you feel today? Unfortunately, I can't tell you that I'm 100% certain that's going to happen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.